The Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston, and today we're going to be talking about grout, and we'll get into that in a few minutes, but before I do, I want to announce that my seminar, my stone troubleshooting, stone and tile troubleshooting and inspection seminar in January, this coming January in Las Vegas, is now full. Uh, so I'm not taking uh, as many students as I normally do because of this COVID issue. So it is officially closed. It is officially full. However, uh, I do have the correspondence class, if those of you that want to take the correspondence class. And I'm also uh, considering running that class again in June. I uh, haven't uh, decided yet. Uh, that's when the Stone Show out there has rescheduled. It's normally in January. It's now scheduled to June. I may do one. So if anyone is interested in attending that, for June, a nice hot sun of Las Vegas in June, uh, drop me an email at fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. I'm also happy to announce that we have reached 14,000 unique listens of the Stone and Tile show. So uh, we're, we're growing at a at a pretty rapid pace, and I appreciate all your support out there. I've been getting a lot of positive feedback, and of course, I always welcome uh, feedback, both good and bad. Uh, what I can do to improve this uh, show would be great. Just simply drop me an email. Uh, of course, we are probably the only live stone and tile show. I mean, we do our, uh, obviously, this is also a podcast, but right now we are live. If you're listening live, uh, it is live. So you can call in with a question if you want. 323-870-3968-323-870-3968. And I'd especially like to hear from you installers out there that are using these new one-part epoxies. And we're going to discuss that here in a little bit. But, you know, this this week was an interesting week because it's so funny how some of the issues I get calls on happen all in groups. And this week happened to be the week for grout problems. I got calls about powdering grout discolored grout, uh, how to properly clean grout, grout that was missing. And it just seemed to be one call after another with grout issues. So I decided that this would probably be a good topic to talk about. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about the different types of grout. I want to talk about more importantly, how you can identify those grouts, especially you guys are going out there doing restoration work or even you installers being able to identify the type of grout that is already in place. And I've got a, a couple of neat little tricks to, in order to determine, determine that. We'll talk about uh, grout coloring, grout sealing, uh, grout cleaning, where to use these particular types of grouts. And then we're going to get into some of the grout problems that I had mentioned a few minutes ago, as well as uh, some of the unique stories I've had with, with grout. So let's get started. 
the first thing I want to do is I wanted to uh, describe some of the grout types that are out there. And there are basically three or four different types. You have sanded grout. Uh, sanded grout. Well, first of all, before I talk about the difference between sanded and unsanded grout, which is kind of obvious, let me go back and, exp and make you realize that when we're dealing with grout, grout is really not that much different than Portland cement. So it reacts very similar to Portland cement. It hydrates, it cures similar to that because it basically is a, a Portland cement uh, material with, of course, additives, et cetera, et cetera. So with that said, we have sanded grout. Sanded grout is nothing more than a cement with those certain additives with sand. Now, where you want to use this particular grout is in any grout joint that is an eighth of an inch or larger. But that does not include marble. You want to be careful with materials like marble and limestone where that particular grout uh, will scratch the surface, especially when you're installing it. But even more so if you're a restoration contractor and you're going in there and polishing a floor or you're you know, a cleaning person that's going in there and buffing the floor, you can pull some of that grout out onto a marble floor and actually scratch it. And I've seen that, I can't tell you, a million different times. So we'll talk about how to identify sanded grout and unsanded grout in, in a minute. So that brings us to type number two. Type number two is unsanded grout or non-sanded grout, if you will. This is a grout that doesn't have any uh, coarse abrasive in it like sand. This is purely, you know, a cement mixture with maybe some fine aggregates in there that are very, very soft that will not scratch marble. Unsanded grout or non-sanded grout is to be used in anything, any grout joint under an eighth of an inch. Okay, so remember that. And then, you know, and within the sanded and unsanded grout, you have all kinds of polymers that, that are added, depending on what manufacturer you're dealing with. You have some of these, you know, latex additives, acrylic additives. You have additives that are already mixed in the grout. You have additives that you actually uh, pour in, a liquid additive, if you will. So, you know, my recommendation there, regardless of either one of those two grouts that you're using, obviously read the directions, you know, read this, the data sheet on them. The second type of grout I'm going to probably concentrate on more than anything else because this seems to be the, the grout that has most of the issues, and that is epoxy grouts. Now, up until recently, epoxy grouts were all two parts. There was a part A and there was a part B. Actually, in some cases, there are three parts because you have the aggregate, the actual grout mix itself, and then part A and part B. And let, let me explain how that works and why you need a part A and you need a part B. And I'm not going to get into the deep chemistry of it, but I will get into the basics. And here's the basics. You need, what happens with part A and part B is when they react, they, they actually form what is called an exothermic reaction. And what an exothermic reaction is, is it generates heat. You can actually, if you, you put your epoxy grouts, you mix your epoxy grouts, you put them in a little container and you let them sit there for a minute and you put your hand on, you can actually tell it gets warmer. That particular reaction is what catalyzes the epoxy to, to actually start curing and become very, very hard. So those of you that work with epoxy grouts know that you have to work with them really, really quickly. Now, where would we use these, these epoxy grouts? Uh, you would use them in food areas, kitchen countertops, uh, especially if you're doing a tile kitchen countertop. Uh, they're really good for bathrooms. And in some areas, some counties, some cities, they actually, it's part of the building code that you cannot use any other grout other than epoxy grout 
in kitchen areas or in restaurants. So uh, you installers out there, if you're doing commercial work, you may want to check with your local building codes to see if that is required, because if it's not, that can be an issue. Um, so, you know, now, now we have these one part epoxies and I, I want to get into that in a little bit, but uh, before I do, let me talk about the, the other type of grout that you may or may not run into. And, you know, the 40 years that I've been in this business, I think I've run across this particular type of grout maybe once or twice. And that's a grout type called a furan grout, F-U-R-A-N. And these are generally found in uh, chemical laboratories, dairies. They're, they're generally black in color. I'm sure there's other colors out there, but the black one is the one I'm familiar with. Uh, they're very sturdy, very chemically resistant type grout. So, uh, and by the way, very, very nasty to, uh, to work with as well. So that's what your fur and grout is. Now, those are your four basic grout types. So let me jump back and talk about some of the new technology that's out there when it comes to epoxy grouts. Now, those of you guys that work with epoxy grouts know it can be very difficult to work with uh, if you let them sit on the surface of the tile and you let them cure. It's a bear to remove them, so you need to clean up immediately, unlike you know, conventional grouts where you can go in the next day and, uh, and clean it up without a problem. This is not going to work with epoxy grouts, whether we're talking the one-part epoxies or your traditional uh, two-part epo two part epoxies. So I would highly recommend that if you've never worked with epoxy, uh, get some training. Uh, go to NTCA for, for some training on how to use them. Uh, possibly even look at some YouTube videos. And again, more importantly, read the directions, guys. That's, guys, that's what they're on there for. Read the directions. So Let's talk a little bit about these one-part epoxies. And I, I did quite a bit of research on this because it was kind of curious to me as, you know, understanding how epoxies cure, as I, I just explained with the part A and a part B, how do you get a one-part epoxy to cure? And are they truly epoxies? And some of the products, and I'm not going to mention products names, but some of the products I researched uh, are really not true epoxies, but there are some that are true epoxies, and how they cure, how that exothermic reaction takes place, that the catalytic reaction, if you will, is either by heat, so they actually catalyze at, at a higher temperature than, say, room temperature, or by UV light. We have some of these epoxies that are also cured by UV light. You guys that are used to doing repair work, especially fabricators, are, are using some of these kits out there that actually use a little blue light to cure. Those are UV-cured glues. And we have those in epoxy grouts as as well. So my curiosity is to hear from you installers out there. And if we have any installers out there who have used these one-part epoxies uh, to call in and, and let me have your feedback. You know, what do you think of them? Are they easier to apply? Uh, you know, the advantage that I can see is that they're pre-mixed, so you don't have to worry about the mixing, et, et cetera. But I'd like to know how you guys find they are useful. So if you, you're out there and you're listening live, the number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. So to recap the grout types, we have sanded grout, which is a cement-based grout. We have non-sanded or unsanded grout, which is also a cement-based grout. And then we have the epoxy grouts, both the uh, traditional A and B mixture epoxies, as well as now the one-part epoxy grouts. And then you have the furin grout. So those are the type of grouts that you're going to have. And of course, 
All of those have all kinds of issues when it comes to uh, installing them. Uh, you know, we see a lot of issues post-installation, you know, after they're installed. And, you know, we have grouts that powder. We have grouts that bleed. And we're going to get into that here uh, today in a, in, a, in a few minutes. But what I want to talk about next, and I think which is extremely important, is how do you tell? How, how do you walk on the job and, and determine are you dealing with what grout type? Is it an epoxy? Is it a sanded grout? Is it an unsanded grout? And there's a few tools that you, you will need. So one of the things I would highly recommend you pick up is what is called a field microscope. And I happen to have a very good one that takes video and takes pictures. And, you know, if you don't want to get that fancy, you don't have to. Uh, you know, if you go on Amazon or eBay, I, I've seen some of these field microscopes sell for as little as 10 bucks. So what that allows you to do is to do a real close examination of the grout. And if it's a sanded grout, you're going to see sand particles. You're going to see some fairly large sand particles that say a, you know, a 50X uh, magnification. And uh, it's really simple. What I would suggest you do is take three samples of grout with you, you know, make a little tiny, you know, channel, or you can actually get these grout samples and take a sanded grout sample with you, take an unsanded grout sample with you, and take an epoxy grout sample with you, and get used to how they look under a microscope. And then you'll be able to take that into the field, and you can even bring the sample into the field with you and be able to compare the difference. And, oh, yeah, that's a sanded grout. Sometimes it's real obvious. You can actually see the sand in the grout, and other times it's not. The width of the grout joint is a clue. However, that said, uh, not every installer out there is as good as some of you guys may be, and they use the wrong grout. You know, they use a, an, uh, an unsanded grout in a wide grout joint, or they use a sanded grout on marble, uh, or in a, in a narrow grout joint, say, you know, less than an eighth of an inch, or using unsanded grout in a larger grout joint, all kinds of issues, which we'll obviously get into here in a minute. So that's one way to identify them. Another way, especially with your epoxy grouts, is epoxy grouts tend to have, for the most part, not all the time, somewhat of a sheen to them. They, they tend to be a little shinier than, say, a, a normal cement-based grout would be. So, and, and you can see there's actually an issue with that that we'll, I'll get into here in a minute when we talk about some of the failures with grouts. But, you know, if the grout looks really shiny and it hasn't been coated with any kind of sealer or whatever, you know, chances are it's an epoxy grout. Uh, of course, a microscopic examination will tell you because generally it just has a different total look. It has more of a, of a, of a, uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it, a, a, a consistent flowing look than say your sanded or your unsanded grouts do under, under magnification. So very useful tool. Plus it makes you really cool. If you go on a job site or you're doing an inspection or whatever, and you, you pull out a, pull out a microscope. And like I said, you know, if you want to spend a, you know, hundred bucks or more, you can get one like I have, which has a nice wide screen on the top of it. So you can actually show the customer what you're seeing. Uh, it has a video camera. It takes, you know, videos and, and, and photographs that you put on a little SDS card. As a matter of fact, I did an inspection yesterday where I was taking a bunch of uh, microscopic photographs. So that's something you may want to look at. So that's how you would go about identifying the types of grouts you're, wor you're working with. Um, chances are you probably will never run into a furan grout, uh, you know, that, unless you're dealing with a, a dairy, uh, a chemical lab, or, or something, of, something of that nature. But uh, it's, uh, it, it's a grout that looks uh, very, very dense. It's usually black in color. That's how you would, would identify that. So most manufacturers now are coming out with these 
one part epoxies, and unfortunately, I am not aware of any way to tell the difference between a one part epoxy and a the AB type epoxies after it's cured and in, and installed. So uh, that's something really doesn't matter as long as you you know you know you're dealing with an epoxy as opposed to a uh, uh, a sanded or an unsanded cement based based type type grout. So let's next talk about about some of the issues with with grout, some of some of the problems you're running into, and uh, there are all kinds of issues. We're going to discuss each one and why it happens. But call I got uh, actually just yesterday was a situation where the grout was soft, and what they meant by soft, it was literally falling apart. In other words, you could take a knife or you could take a piece of the grout out, pick it up, and you can actually crush it with your fingernails and you know perhaps a a better term for that is powdered it's actually powdering what causes the grout to powder well there's there's several things and in order to understand this you have to also understand how concrete cement portland cement hydrates and cures and uh, i i do this in my class Uh, i think i've talked about it on this show several times under under the failure show so you might want to go back into the archives and search for that but generally what happens is too much water is mixed in the grout during installation. And what happens is it doesn't hydrate properly. And the grout, the, the grout, the natural occurring cement binders in the, in the Portland cement in the grout do not bind properly. They don't bind to one another like they should. And the hydration doesn't exist. And what happens is you just get a bunch of powdery grout. That's probably the number one cause. But there is another interesting cause. And uh, actually, I have an interesting story on, on this that hopefully I'll have time to discuss here. But, And that is when you're installing a tile, uh, whether that be stone, whether that be ceramic, uh, porcelain, or any kind of porous tile. And where I see this a lot is on the Saltillo tiles, <clears throat> what are called the Mexican tiles. I see this a lot. And what happens is because the tile is so absorbent, even though you mix the grout properly, and you're placing the grout into, you know, into the, the grout joints, what happens if the tile is too absorbent, it's going to wick away all the moisture into the grout. And when that happens, the grout doesn't hydrate properly. And when it doesn't hydrate properly, that means it doesn't cure properly, which means it will turn to a powder. It'll be extremely soft and extremely powdery. So one of the things you want to look at when you're looking at this particular problem is to look at and if you can talk to the installer, did the installer soak his tiles? And, and guys in the old days, especially for you, you new tile setters out there in the old days, when we installed any kind of porous material, whether it's granite, marble, limestone, a saltillo tile, we would actually soak it in water. And I can't tell you how many job sites I've been on over the years, especially with some of you well-experienced tile setters that don't do that. Uh, you don't soak them in, 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 in and get get them wet. I mean, even if it's just simply wetting them with a a sponge, it's going it's going to help. It's going to help considerably, and allow that particular grout to hydrate. Uh, one thing that I've done in the past, and I recommend doing, if you're using a cement based grout, is to take a little garden sprayer, and you know after you've done with your entire installation, go back the next day and lightly mist the grout. I mean, we do this with concrete slabs. We do this with concrete sidewalks. Grout is nothing more than cement and concrete, right? It's 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 a it's a mixture. It's Portland cement. So, by lightly 
lightning, they don't want to saturate it, but just by lightning misting uh, the grout, it's going to make it harder and it's going to make it hydrate and it's going to cure a lot faster and a lot harder and a lot denser. So you may want to remember that. A question I got today was uh, from an installer. They said, you know, uh, how do I tell if a grout is good or not? You know, I, I go to Home Depot, I go to, you know, the tile store or, or wherever. And, you know, I, I got this grout and it looked kind of funky. Uh, it, it just didn't look right. How do I know it's still good or not? Well, I'm not aware of grout being like a Budweiser beer. I don't think it has a born on date or, or an expiration date on, on it, at least that I haven't seen. And call me and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, generally a good way of telling us if the grout is clumpy and it's, you know, you get large clumps in there or even small clumps in there, that shouldn't happen. That just simply means it's, it's, it's collecting moisture. It's been exposed to humidity and I would not use that grout at all. So that's one way of telling whether that grout, you know, talking cement-based grouts are good or not. Now, the epoxy grouts, uh, you know, glues do have a shelf life on them. And, you know, most of them have about a one-year shelf life. And generally, you're not going to have an issue, you know, dealing with some of the big box stores because they, they turn their inventory really quickly. But you, you may want to check. You may want to check to make sure. Uh, how old that particular inventory is because you, I have seen epoxy grouts, especially the two part A and B epoxy grouts uh, go bad and uh, you start mixing them. And I've had all kinds of weird funky reactions take place. Uh, I had a, a situation where this wasn't an epoxy grout, but it was an actual epoxy setting mortar that actually turned blue and that blue bled through this white marble and actually turned the marble blue. Uh, due to a, a bad batch of the, uh, not a bad batch, but an expired batch of, of epoxy grout. So that's something you, you may want to uh, take into consider, consideration. So we've discussed the, 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 dry, the dry tile, which is extremely, extremely important. Um, one of the things that, is, that I think anyway is quite controversial right now, and here's the issue I see with this, and that is what we call six-sided sealing. A lot of installers are now sealing their tiles, you know, back, front, and on the sides, and sealing the tiles. And that, to me, can be a key to disaster, not only for bonding issues, which we talked about on other shows, but also for what we call, what I call, grout separation. And that is, let's say you go on a job, and you're looking at a tile floor, and you look down, and you see a separation of the grout from the tile. And if you're using cement-based grout, whether it be sanded or unsanded, and you see that separation, one of the things I would try to find out from the installer is did they seal it? Because a lot of times what will happen when you seal that and you don't use the appropriate sealer or you don't match the sealer to the appropriate uh, grout or setting mortar, you will get that separation that occurs. In other words, it's, you know, what is, what's, what causes hydration and, and, and your cement based grouts water. So what's these sealers designed to do repel water. So to me, that makes common sense. And that's why I, I kind of disagree a little bit uh, about the six sided ceiling. There are, there are other methods for in, installing some of these problematic, problematic stones, uh, choosing the right, uh, setting mortars and choosing the right grouts, but I see that uh, to be a a, a a real problem. Another problem you run into with epoxy grouts, not all the time, but on certain stones, especially some of the absorbent stones, is what we call epoxy 
bleed. And that's where the epoxy resins, the dyes in the epoxy actually bleed into the, the surrounding tile. And this occurs a lot on granite. It occurs a lot on very porous marbles, and you end up getting a halo where the it actually darkens around the around the perimeter of the of the tile, and that's a problem. It's very difficult to fix that problem. You have to rip the grout out. Hopefully, use poultices, and you know, guys, 99% of the time, it's a failure. I mean, there, there's very little you can do. Uh, you're probably going to have to recommend tearing that that particular installation up, but but not all the time. I mean, there are exceptions to all these rules. Now, you can get on your cement-based grouts, uh, especially ones that use polymers, you know, like latex and acrylics, where you get polymer migration, where the polymer actually gets soaked into the, into the tile. And this generally happens when you don't soak the tile. Okay, so uh, again, folks, you know, be extremely careful, you know, a lot of you installers want to, you know, have that issue, want to run out right away, you want to seal the sides of the tile, and that'll help prevent that, yeah, but you might not get the, the grout, or sometimes the setting mortar to stick properly, so be very careful. You go back to some of the old ways of doing things, just soak that tile, I can't emphasize that enough, and I know I'm going to repeat myself here you know, many, 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 many times. Alrighty, folks, I want to get into um, uh, an interesting story that I had with a with a grout issue, but I want to take a quick break here. But in the meantime, I'm going to give the phone number out. It's 323-870-3968. If you're listening live, 323-870-3968. Uh, especially would like to hear from you guys that have used these new one-part epoxy grouts uh, to see what your experience is with, with those as well. So I'll be back right after this. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality, environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, MB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesus, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net. Alrighty, folks. Let me uh, let me continue on with an interesting grout story. And you know, you guys that have been to my seminars probably have heard this story a million times, but it's it's kind of kind of an interesting story. And you know, back in the days when I was contracting. I got a call from a local theme park, which I'm not allowed to mention their name, but they're located in Orlando, Florida. And uh, the mascot has big ears, if that gives you an indication of who I'm talking about. And I actually got a call from the legal department that they wanted to file a lawsuit against the installer on one of these hotels. And they called me and said that we have an issue with an installation. And I said, well, what's the issue? And they said, the issue was the grout is disappearing. Half the grout is missing on this tile floor. And I said, okay, I I could see that. I've seen that many times and I have an idea of what's going on. And they said, well, we want you to go out and do an inspection and uh, write a report. And you're going to serve as an expert on this case because we're suing the installer because this is a multi-million dollar floor. Uh, this particular hotel had over 70,000 square feet of a a handmade Japanese imported custom they ordered for for this particular look, and it was installed throughout the entire hotel. So I go out there, and the first thing I notice is that yeah, half the grout is missing, and you could actually see the the sides of the of the tile. 
So the first thing I did is I took a knife out and I started poking around at the grout that was there. And it was it was hard as a rock. I mean, it was nice and solid. It was a sanded grout because it was a fairly wide grout joint, probably, you know, over an eighth of an inch. And, um, you know, I'm scratching my head saying, well, I guess what may have happened here is they layered the grout during installation. So in other words, if you're familiar with concrete and what is known as a cold joint, this is where you come in one day and let's say you're pouring a slab, you pour the slab day one, you stop, and then you come back the next day and you pour the slab next to it. In other words, you continue pouring that slab. Right where those two pores met, you end up with a cold joint, a separation that can occur. So this can happen with grout. And I've seen this with, with wide grout joints and particularly deep grout joints where uh, someone will go in and, and do half the grout, fill the, fill the grout joint up with half the grout, let that cure for several hours to maybe overnight, come back and do it again. And what happens is that top layer of grout actually separates and pops out. So this was my suspicion. I just, you know, I suspected right away that, that this was an issue. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to take some samples of the grout, send it out to a lab, have them tested. Because the, chances are, whatever they mixed with the first batch, if my presumption here is correct, would be, be very similar. So I did. And we waited a couple of weeks for the results. And the results were grout was fine. It was perfect. Hydrated properly. It was nice and dense. It was solid. It wasn't falling apart. So I said, you know, I need to go back in and re-inspect this floor, see if I can figure out what's going on. So I go back in and I re-inspect it. And I mean, I can't see anything. I can't see anything. Then I decided there was some furniture there and I decided to take a look under the furniture. So I moved this big, you know, piece of look like a dresser along the side. And I noticed the grout under the dresser wasn't gone. It was where it should be filled up all the way to the top. So I said, hmm, that's interesting. So I'm sure you can probably see where I'm going with this story. But anyway, I ended up going in there during midnight because I wanted to see what was going on with the way they were cleaning this grout, okay? Because I suspect the cleaning was an issue. So I put on my Hawaiian shorts, my Bermuda, uh, my, uh, my Hawaiian shirt and my Bermuda shorts and, you know, grabbed the newspaper and sat there in the lobby and, here I'm watching these two guys come out and they have a machine, you know, standard floor buffing machine. On the bottom of the machine, they have this gridded brush. It wasn't a pad holder. It was actual a brush. It's what we call a nylo grip brush. Those of you are familiar with that, which is a, a very coarse brush used for stripping wax off VCT tile. And they had a wet dry vac and they had a gallon white jug with kind of scribbly markings on it. Couldn't make out what it was. So they set up in one corner. They coordinated off. You know, they put their wet floor signs up and whatever. And this one guy takes this bottle, pours it down the grout joint. The other guy takes this machine with this very coarse brush on it and start and actually heals the machine. If I, You know what I mean by that? He's actually tilting the machine up to get that brush in there. And he's going along the grout joints. And literally smoke is flying. And the other guy is there backing this up so i'm like oh my god this I, I know what they're doing so i walk over to him and i said hey guys you know i'm from wherever paducah kentucky and i'm here on vacation and you know i've got some really dirty 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 grout in my bathroom back home man and i just can't seem to get it clean i'd love to know what you guys are using so this guy was kind of friendly he bends down holds up the little white jug he looks at me and says 
This is the best stuff you can use for cleaning grout. It's nothing more than swimming pool acid, muratic acid. Now, those of you familiar with a little chemistry, you know what acid does to cement. You know what it does to marble. They were literally eating the grout away, not only abrading it away, but actually eating it away with the with the acid. So the next day I was able to call the legal department back and said, guess what? You don't have a case. It's the installer did everything correctly, uh, but your own cleaning crew is cleaning it away. And, you know, and you know, who knows what went on? It may have been a situation where, you know, the supervisor for that cleaning crew was, you know, I don't care what you got to do. Make sure that grout is clean. Because, by the way, I didn't tell you this. This grout was white. It was white grout in a busy hotel lobby. So you can imagine a type of traffic that, that it gets. And they have, you know, buffets in there and on Sunday mornings and, you know, the food. So you can imagine a type of soiling this particular grout gets. So that's part one of the story. Part two of the story is they said, well, Fred, what do we do? And I said, well, if I were you, I would install epoxy grout. And, you know, there, there's enough of a depth here depth here on, on this particular installation that you can put epoxy grout right over the top of what's existing here. So I wrote a spec. I wrote a spec basically stating, you know, how to go ahead and, you know, use epoxy grout. Well, I got a call about four months, maybe five months after the fact. And this is your typical new contractors out there are going to love this is where they put it out for bid and they took the low bidder and a carpet installer, a local carpet installer won the bid, had never used epoxy grout ever, probably never even grouted a floor with typical cement based grouts ever. And uh, what they did is they took a small area, probably about 100 square feet. They grouted it with the epoxy grout. And, of course, they let it sit there overnight and came back in the next night to clean it up. And you guys that have made that mistake know that you just don't clean it up. So, uh, you know, that, that became a real issue. And uh, I got called in again. And, I, you know, you, you feel like in those situations, you know, you guys need to hire an experienced installer, not only an experienced installer, but an installer that's worked with epoxy grout before, especially when you're talking about, you know, grouting a a 70,000 square foot job. That's just, that's just a huge, 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 huge job. So anyway, all right. The phone number here, if you're listening live, 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. If you want to send me an email, it's F Houston, F E S T O N at gmail.com. And even if you're not listening live, uh, you know, my question still goes out there. If you want to send me an email, if, you, if you've ever worked with, uh, you know, particularly these one part epoxies, I'm real curious and getting your guys' feedback. You know, do you like them? Uh, what do you like about them? What don't you like about them? And we'll follow up on another, on another show with your comments. So just send me that email to F Houston. F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. All right, let me take another quick break and we'll come back here and wrap things up. Are you tired of lugging dozens of stain removal chemicals around to remove stains from stone, tile, or concrete? Did you know you only need three chemicals to remove almost any stain? From organic stains to inorganic stains, Dr. Fred's Ultimate Stain Removal Kit is all you need. The kit contains three reagents and includes a detailed ebook on how to remove almost any stain. 
So if you're trying to remove difficult ink or rust or simply coffee and other food stains, this kit is all you need. To order, contact Dr. Fred at 321-514-6845. One kit is $69.95 plus shipping. Alrighty, folks, and we're back. Before the break, I said we're going to wrap things up. I take that back. We're not going to wrap things up because there's a bunch of other things I want to discuss uh, when it comes to grout. And a couple of things I forgot to mention, uh, the first being loose grout. And I, I kind of hinted on this a little bit, uh, but there's some other, you know, and what I meant by loose grout is the grout that's just literally not sticking and coming out and uh, and coming out. So I think I mentioned the one thing, and that's a six-sided or, or sealing the side of the tile. But some, a couple of other things that can, can occur. Uh, one is what we call deflection. And that's where the floor, the subfloor is actually moving. And what's happening is those tiles are moving and the grout is literally popping out because of the movement of the tile. That's what deflection can do. So, you know, if you're, you're looking at that issue, you're looking at a, a loose grout issue, you, you may want to, might want to look at that as well. Uh, also, uh, the reason that grout can powder using excess water, you can also get that same situation happening with too much polymer being used. So again, follow, follow, follow the directions. I've seen rare instances where the grout is packed in really, really uh, uh, not so tight. So you end up with a void. So I guess you'd call it bridging. So let's say you have a really uh, a, a deep grout joint and you're going in, you're putting your grout in and the grout's not going all the way to the bottom to where the tile, bottom of the tile is. You can get a bridging that occurs. In other words, a hollow spot under that grout and that will cause the grout to pop out as well. Okay, another issue that I want to talk about is color variation. And there's a couple of, oh, there's a bunch of things that can happen with color variation, you know, especially if you're dealing with a job that's using more than one bag of grout, and especially if it's a, a colored grout, you want to make sure you get the grout from the same dye lot. If you can't get it from the same dye lot, you want to mix your dye lots so you get a consistent color. And that holds true for whether you're dealing with epoxy grouts or your, or your cement-based grouts. But there's some other things that can cause color variation post-installation. Uh, obviously, too much water mixed in one batch and not the other, you can get a color uh, variation. Improper cleaning. Uh, you know, a lot of the grout cleaners that are out there on the market that you buy at the grocery store or the big box stores, et cetera, contain acids. And uh, what can, acids can do, particularly on certain colored grouts, is they can actually bleach the color out of the grout. Not all the time, but it can can happen. Uh, you know, the plastic spacers you use sometimes will will cause a discoloration around where the black space where the, uh, the the spacer is. Uh, not cleaning out the thin set uh, and part of the uh, in the joints and kind of overfilling them, you get a shadowing effect, especially if you're using gray thin set as opposed to a white white thin set. Improper mixing of the grout uh, can occur. Uh, we talked about the, the, the blending the dye lots, um, adding water after you start mixing it. And I've seen this done where, uh, you know, you'll start mixing the grout. You mix too much of a, of a quantity and your grout starts to stiffen up. So you add more water to it. You don't want to do that because uh, once, once it starts stiffening up, it's starting to hydrate. It's starting to cure. And uh, if you mix more water in there, sure, you're going to mix it up, but you could end up with a, a real serious problem after the fact when that grout starts, starts, starts curing. Uh, some of these grouts require what we call slaking, uh, where you have to let it sit for a certain amount of time. How do you know that? Again, you read the directions. We talked about that. 
uh, inadequate cleaning of your sponges. You know, uh, I've seen guys, you know, that they think a bucket of water will last the entire job. You need multiple buckets of water. You need lots of sponges. You know, this is where your grunt helper comes in, comes into play. Uh, dirty tools. I've seen shoes, uh, stains on shoes, tracking stuff onto the, onto the grout, et cetera. So those are some of, some of the other issues you run into when it comes to uh, some of these grout problems. Now, I want to also talk about a couple of different things. Uh, I want to talk about coloring, grout coloring. I want to talk about grout sealing. And, of course, grout cleaning for you guys that are doing restoration work out there. Let's first talk about the easy one. Well, maybe not so easy, but uh, uh, the easier of the three, I guess I, I would say, and that's grout cleaning. And here's the issue uh, or the mistake, I should say, when it comes to cleaning. And, and that is you go out and you buy a grout cleaner. And let's say it, it works okay, but you have some spots on that grout that aren't working okay, and it's not getting it clean. Well, you have to understand a little bit of chemistry, and I'm not going to get into that in this particular uh, segment. You want to go back and look at my uh, a couple of my other shows where I talk about pH and, and type of cleaners. But, you know, you have different types of soiling in grout. You know, you could have excess waxes in there. You could have oils in there. Uh, you could have dirt and debris. You could have food stains. You could have any number of different types. of. So you basically have to attack the cleaning and what I call a two-step process. And what that two-step process is, you attack the grout, or in other words, you clean the grout from both sides of the pH scale. So you use a mild acid, and then you use a mild alkali, and then you neutralize that. So actually, it's a three-step three-step process. What the acid won't remove, the alkali hopefully will, will remove. So it's a two-step process. Uh, a lot of you are going to ask, Fred, what type of acid should I use? Should, you know, you just told the story about not using, you know, muriatic acid, hydrochloric acid, in other words, uh, what acid should we use? And the acid that I would recommend, and you see this in a lot of grout cleaners, would be sulfamic acid. That's S-U-L-F-A-M-I-C, sulfamic acid. It's a odorless acid, so it tends to be fairly safe to use as far as odor goes, in a, especially in a closed environment like a bathroom or a lobby or somewhere. And it comes in a crystal form. It comes in a powder that you actually mix in water. And another little tip, hot water is going to work much better. And that's that's your general general chemistry for most of your chemicals. Uh, hot water is going to activate most of your alkali and your acidic cleaner. So, you know, not boiling, but, you know, warm water tends to work most effectively uh, when it comes to cleaning, cleaning these materials. So, uh, so let, let's say you, you know, you do that process and you get that grout uh, nice and clean and you want to seal the grout now and, uh, you know, sealing the grout, you know, I mean, you can use most of the stone impregnators that are out there to seal it. You have your topical, you know, acrylic sealers, which I don't recommend because they tend to, they tend to yellow a little bit. Uh, you want to be careful with sealing grout in exterior situations because if that grout is not completely dry and you've got some moisture in there, you could end up with some efflorescence problems and some uh, spalling issues, et cetera, not to mention the problems you might have uh, in sealing the stone or brick or tile, whatever your uh, product you're, you're trying to seal. Because generally when you seal the grout, you're sealing everything. You're sealing the grout as well as the, the tile, tile itself. So choose a really good impregnator. Make sure it's dry. And again, I've said this a million times, follow the directions. Now, grout coloring. Uh, there are all kinds of ways to color grout out there. You can use acrylics. 
You can use some of these proprietary systems that are out there. One is Color Seal, I believe. Uh, that works quite effectively. Uh, you need training for that. Uh, Aquamix, I think, still makes uh, grout colorings. Uh, used to blend my own grout colorings. Uh, all kinds of colorings. Here's the issue you have, and I don't care whose product you use, and that is, will the color bond to the grout? And this is the number one failure I see when it comes to grout coloring is it doesn't bond properly. So how do you check the bonding capability of that particular color, coloring that or stain that you're using? Very simple. You take an area, you clean it, you apply the, the coloring in that area, you wait for it to cure. That could be overnight. It could be a couple of days. Depends, you know, follow the manufacturer's directions. And then what you want to do is go in and take a piece of duct tape. And what I do is take that duct tape and I rub it and I press it up against that area and I pull it off like I'm pulling a, a Band-Aid off a sore. And if it stays down, if the color stays down, you're good to go. You have a good bond. If it comes up completely, you don't have a good bond. You have another issue. You may be dealing with, you know, sealers in the grout. You may be dealing with the grout still dirty. Uh, you may be dealing with uh, a very shiny epoxy grout that that particular grout color won't bond to. So that, to me, is an extremely, extremely important test when it comes to uh, comes to coloring coloring grout. All right, now we're almost time to wrap things up here. So I have time for one last question: three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. That's three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. I'll run one more ad here, and when I come back, if there's no one there, we'll we'll wrap things up and uh, till till next week. So I'll be back right after this. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains. Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Tough Skin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate product. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tough Skin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F SkinProtection.com to learn more. Alrighty, folks. And, you know, to wrap things up when it comes to comes to grout, uh, you know, the only advice, if I had to give you one piece of advice, and I've given you this advice throughout the entire uh, program here, and that is uh, read the directions, you know, follow the directions and make sure you're installing it right, make sure you're cleaning it right. Uh, you know, just just follow the directions on on all these products, and you'll be you'll be good to go. Uh, if you want to learn more about failures uh, for grout, stone, and tile, I'd highly recommend you take my uh, my class, uh, either the correspondence class or the or the live class. The live class is real interesting because you know, of course, you get to interact with me uh, and others in, in the class, and we get to go on a, a live action. So that's always really really popular. Plus, the food is really good during the live class as well. So anyway, folks, uh, if anybody out there has an interesting product they would like to uh, uh, be interviewed for, uh, just simply send me an email. Again, my email is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. So, folks, until next week, thanks for listening. Keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. <laughs>